Welcome, you're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, Searching for the Soul of Outlander, with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gow, and me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. We love the book series, books one through eight, so we will be talking about them all, so beware, there are spoilers ahead. Right, so we're back for episode two for this um, new collection (laughs) (laughs) of episodes. Uh, We're avoiding trying to use the term season to avoid the confusion with the TV show. (laughs) Yes, collection four for us of episodes related to Outlander um, and the (laughs) theological and religious and spiritual dimensions in the series. Um, So yeah, if you're just joining us, that's what we do here. We spend time taking the text, meaning Outlander, seriously, and then also the role that it plays in people's lives. So last episode for this collection was dreams, and we talked about the role of dreams in the series and our own personal experiences with dreams, um, which is a bit of a range between the two of us. Um, (laughs) And then this episode, we're talking about prophecy, which kind of, they flow into each other, and there's some really interesting things that are happening in this series, but also that we can bring in uh, relation to the Bible and other means of understanding so yeah so terry any any particular thoughts not putting you on the spot here but um any particular thoughts you want to make sure we we talk about i think we need to probably just kind of chat about you know what what is prophecy necessarily i I think we need to actually have a a conversation about what that means and i know yeah you know people who in in the last conversation we had to talk a little bit about what visions were versus dreams and so it might help us to kind of bring that up again as well as as talk a little bit about what prophecy is as far as the way we understand it versus what it is in the bible versus what it is for diana that type of thing yeah yeah, yeah. So to recap, in the last episode, we t- kind of talked about the difference between dreams and visions. Do you want to go over that really quickly of kind of w- what we mean by that? Well, what, what we mean by that is dreams are those things mm-hmm. that happen while you're asleep. The, yep. Those things that when you close your eyes and your subconscious runs wild, that's what happens mm-hmm. with your dreams. But mm-hmm. visions are things that can happen either while dreaming or awake. Mm-hmm. But usually they happen while you're awake. So when we talked a little bit of, uh, last time about Maisry, who is the seer from uh, mm-hmm. Dragonfly and Amber, she tends to have visions of people while she's mm-hmm. awake, while she's with them. And she yep. sees things that happen to them in her mind, which is a little bit different and tends more towards the prophetic. Yeah. Yeah, which we thought was kind of a good segue. We start with dreams and then we move into prophecies because sometimes, yeah, it can it can go either direction. One thing that occurs to me, and I was thinking about this the other day, I guess I knew this, but I think it's it's imp- important to kind of highlight talking about Maisry, but then we also, in the last episode, we talked about Jenny having the sight, that Jamie actually seems to have a sight mm-hmm. because he's able to, you know, dream things in the future that he has not yet seen. But the, the, the term a seer seer mm-hmm. like one who sees I, I sometimes i just think i just see the and i don't really make that connection to sight and to seeing oh, when yeah. i see the term yeah. seer yeah um and so i thought yeah i thought that's worth mentioning as well well especially as we're going to talk about the brahm seer 
Yeah, exactly. As a prophecy. So let's define kind of what we mean by prophecy. And there is a difference, I think, between how we use it in modern day versus how at least. So I'm coming at this also from a theology and biblical studies perspective and how prophecy tends to be talked about um, in, in that context as well. So. So we tend to, when we talk about prophecy or we talk about prophets now, it's usually someone who can see the future and it carries an idea of clairvoyancy, of foretelling or, uh, you know, having visions or something like that that have come to you sort of outside of yourself, if that makes sense. But within the biblical tradition, the prophet, so Jeremiah, who gets referenced a lot in Outlander, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah he does, actually. Yeah. So Jeremiah, <laughs> Isaiah, Ezekiel. Some, well, Ezekiel is a little more difficult because he's kind of got these apocalyptic visions as well as, some, as you know, like regular sort of general prophecy happening. Is this idea not necessarily of someone who has clairvoyant abilities, but someone who is able to see and understand the inevitable consequences of actions. They can see the end game, in other words. They can see the end of the game. Yeah, and it's not as if it's, uh, oh, they've had this kind of vision necessarily from God. Though, I mean, it it is depicted as a divine revelation in some ways. So how I tell my students about it, it's it's more akin to the parental, if you keep doing this, someone's going to lose an eye. Yep. You know, like it's it's this idea of it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Well, you can see the inevitable crisis that's about to happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so the way in which the the biblical prophets are, if you keep not treating your poor well, if you keep ostracizing the the foreigner um, not not dealing with strangers in a, in a hospitable fashion if you your your widows and your orphans not being taken care of and if you, you continue to fight war paper. these ways <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> if, if you, you hoard, hoard all, all the toilet paper inevitably this is what's any. gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's not the situation whereby someone has this vision of something that is unforeseeable if that makes sense. It is instead this kind of, these are the inevitable consequences of our actions if we continue to go down this route. And so the prophetic vision or the prophetic ideal within the biblical tradition is these are the things in which you keep your society going to make sure the well-being and the health of all. Otherwise, this is what's going to happen. It's almost like a bird's eye view type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so absolutely. It, it is seeing, but, but seeing. It is seeing, yeah. But seeing all of the pieces kind of fitting together in a way yeah. that you need to let somebody know before they all fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And also with this understanding, too, that prophets never accepted in his or her hometown, Mm -hmm. that people aren't going to listen. It's not going to be something that is going to be welcome knowledge for folks. And that's kind of the difference as well, that people don't necessarily seek out the prophets in the biblical tradition in the sense of tell us what's going to happen, because the (laughs) prophet inevitably is going to tell you what's going to happen and you're not going to like it. Exactly. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. We talked in the last episode kind of this difference between true versus false prophecy. And in, in Jeremiah, to use use the outlander example, Jeremiah kind of gives this criteria of who's a true prophet and a false prophet. And mm. one of the criteria is whether or not it comes true or not. But sometimes the prophets are doing that long range vision and it might be, you know, a couple generations before that comes true. So how do you know? And then the other situation is whereby if everybody likes your prophecy, then that's probably an indication it's not going to be true. <laughs> if if it is to everyone's well-being, if it is to everyone's benefit, if, or, or, you know, certain people's benefit, let me correct the that. The powerful's um, benefit, right? If it's to the powerful's benefit, if it makes you feel good, then it is probably false prophecy. <laughs> Hear that, Joel Olstein? <laughs> Health and wealth is not really yes, prophecy. The prosperity gospel is false prophecy. God yes. is not going to fill your coffers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now that I've given you that sermon, um, <laughs> how that... <laughs> How that relates to Outlander is that Diana kind of, in some ways, bridges that gap. I mean, she does, at least in Outlander, the way in which the terms prophecy and prophets tend to be focused more on these people who see the future in a more clairvoyant type of way, rather than this kind of long-range vision. But, you know, Claire has the long-range vision in the sense that she's a time traveler. So maybe it is kind of inevitable consequences because... And it's a really interesting thing that she plays with, I think, in the sense of this time... You know, if you have knowledge of the future because you've actually been there, then are you speaking from the more prophetic biblical tradition or from the clairvoyant prophetic... You know, like... and then I think that's a really interesting question. Well, so I, I found it interesting that people would go to her wanting, so so people would go to Claire wanting things like um, something to get somebody to fall in love with them, a love potion. Yeah, 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 love potions, book one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or, or, or go and ask for um, a little amulet so that they will have a baby or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mm-hmm. things that they want immediately for their own lives. It's a very yeah. selfish need. It's a very selfish yeah. want. But but yeah. Claire's only there to say, hey, 200 years down the road, it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah. to, it's, 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 I'm, I'm not telling you what's going to happen yeah. immediately in your own life. I can't even tell you what happens with the Battle of Alamance. But I yeah, can yeah, tell exactly. you that in 200 years, I'm living in Boston in a place called the United States of America. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, it really comes down to, at least as far as I can tell, is the prophecy in the culture where she's living are really only mm-hmm. interested in what's more immediate. The small... Okay, so we talked in the last episode about the small versus the large, yeah, right? Yeah. The kind of large strokes um and this was what jamie when jamie was talking to the tribes about the the women in his life being able to dream dreams and tell the vision and this understanding of we can't we don't know what happens to us as individuals we don't know what happens as far as these small things goes but we know in the long range this is what happens which reminds me of the amos passage of that martin luther king quoted of kind of this you know justice is slow but or we know the arc of time bends towards justice. It will roll down the mountains, you yeah, know. You know, it, yeah, it takes yeah. a while, but it's going to happen. And Amos is one of the biblical prophets. And so while this time might suck, 
He's also saying, eventually, this is where things are going to go. So, but this is not like pie in the sky stuff, though, right? No, 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 not no, at no. All. This is not things are sucking now, but hey, in the great hereafter or many yeah. years down the road, things are going to be so much better. Or when you get to heaven, right? No, no, no it's, it's no. get your ass in gear now so that yeah. you can, yeah. Yeah. so that this does come to pass. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is very real and in our moments, even though, and with the idea of you work toward this now, you might not see the benefit. Again, kind of Martin Luther King quoting Moses, actually, in the sense of going in, who also is declared a prophet within the biblical tradition of being able to be on the mountaintop and I might not be able to get there for you. So this might not be for you and your generation. This might be for next generation, two generations, three generations down the line. So this isn't about you. And this isn't about whether or not you want a kid or whether or not you need a love potion. This is about the the long arc of things. Well, and so Um, I I find that interesting too, because Jamie does mm -hmm. take that view whenever Claire tells him about this. He's like, whatever I'm doing here now by creating Fraser's Ridge, I'm doing this for my child 200 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's taken that long view. He is, yeah, which is the more prophetic, biblical prophetic tradition. But yeah, yeah. so what I've done is just kind of gone through, We, um, I've just kind of collected all the different references specifically to the words prophet and prophecy throughout the series. And so we can just kind of do a little bit of a survey and see kind of where these two different ways of thinking about prophets and prophecy come into the series and how how that works. Is that cool? Yeah, that's great. Do that? Let's do it. So, so the first one is the is obviously book one, and so it's Jamie and Claire. Well, Claire is talking about Jamie and I had discussed the necessity of preparing Lollybrock and its inhabitants against the coming disasters of the rising, and we thought then that there was time, and now there's no time. And so she says basically. Being a prophet was a very uncomfortable occupation, I thought, not for the first time. Mm. I feel considerable sympathy with Jeremiah and his lamentations. (laughs) Um, So Claire, in book one, uh, resonating with the vocation of being a prophet, Mm -hmm. of one who is saying, this is what's going to happen. And again, not in a clairvoyant way. She only knows it because she's been there. She's seen it herself. So it is, again, that kind of long range, long range thing. But the other thing that I thought was interesting to highlight really as we're kind of starting to do this little bit of a survey is this idea that because she has that knowledge, that obviously people then start thinking she's a witch and then brings in that clairvoyant sort of idea of someone who can cast spells, who can tell you what's going to happen, who has, you know, some woo-woo stuff happening. Right. And and which I think is an interesting tension between mm. the, the person who wants to go and, and, and get the amulet for, mm-hmm. for their own personal gain. But when things don't work, mm-hmm. they want to see her burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leary. Yeah. When when things are not working out in their best interest, well, she needs to go. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Which is why, you know, prophets never accept it in their hometown because the prophet tells you what you don't want to hear. Joel Osteen. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth Copeland. (coughs) Yeah. So um, do not give him money. My God, do not give him money. No. And and yeah, please don't. God. (laughs) <laughs> it's just going to be spent on a private jet. Yep. Anyway, so um so yeah. 
moving on. <laughs> and let's say, I mean, we're, we can we'll we'll kind of broaden this out as we go on. But in um, in Dragonfly and Amber, Claire is having conversations with Jamie about um, she's telling about the Battle of Preston Pans that this is what's going to happen. So she's kind of like telling him the story as much as she knows of what's going to happen with the Jacobite Rebellion. Wishing she had read history a little bit more deeply. Exactly. Right. So, so you can figure out prophecy. You can be a prophet if you're interested in history, right? Yeah. History yeah. always repeats itself. So there, there's an interesting, yeah, interesting declama- declaration I'm about to make that historians are prophets. Yeah. If they're paying any attention. Well, and this, this plays out, this plays out in when Roger comes, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he always tells Jamie what's going to happen as if it's in stone. And it yeah, bothers yeah. Jamie to no end. It makes it really yeah. uncomfortable because Roger always tells the truth. Yeah, as if it's it he tells of these destructions with glee or something like that. Gleefully <laughs> yes. tells him the history. Yeah, <laughs> it's uncomfortable yeah. because Roger always tells the truth, and, yeah. Roger, <laughs> and, and Roger speaks. Roger speaks yeah. to him as if it can't be changed. It's set in history. Yeah. It's set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we've talked about before, in the sense of again that those kind of long range plans, maybe not, but the individual, it can. Claire um, is talking about the Battle of Gladsmere being an old prophecy that the returning king will be victorious. I wondered if that was anything connected to the the Bronze Seer stuff, the old returning king, right? Idea. I don't know. I'm wondering. Anyway. I'm wondering if Diana picked it up there and and brought it Maybe. into it because we don't really get into the Bronze Seer until until Voyager. Voyager really yeah yeah but Claire makes a really interesting differentiation in also in Dragonfly and Amber she says if you wanted prophecy you should have gotten a seer hmm. someone who sees and then she says you know it's just frustrating that she doesn't know what's going to happen in this particular little battle she only knows the, the larger scheme so she's saying if you wanted prophecy you should have gotten a seer with this understanding of someone who has this kind of clairvoyant idea as opposed to someone who can see the long range. Right. Yeah. And and she knows of seers. So it's in mm-hmm. Dragonfly and Amber she meets Maisry. Mhm. Yep. And yep. Maisry does see what's going to happen. Yep. But she doesn't tell anybody with Claire. <laughs> no. No, she doesn't. No. And why and and the reason why is because she's afraid. She's very yeah. afraid. She knows yeah. what's going to happen to Simon. Yeah. Yeah, and so there there you have two differences. You have you have Claire who knows a bit of history and because she's been a time traveler is able to tell you what's about to happen and then you have Maisry who hasn't and knows. Again, those are two different types of the way in which this this story, this series talks about prophecy and they both are prophecy in this story. Um, I would be remiss to say mm. that in Dragonfly and Amber, when Claire mm-hmm. and them go to Lollybrock and they tell them to plant the potatoes, yep. the title of that chapter is called Field of Dreams. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! I know. And so, I, yeah, and Diana does this often. <laughs> I didn't catch she, that. Yeah, Diana does this often. She names her, her chapter something very contemporary. But in this particular one, she saves this small group of people. Mm-hmm. with her quote prophecy because they haven't told them at this yeah. point what she is yeah. and and who she is and how she knows these things she just says i know this is what you need to do yeah yeah and and they say sometimes you know she knows things and that's mm-hmm. and 
she uses that capacity to be able to say, you need to plant yeah. potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. The other place um, in Dragonfly and Amber where prophecy and prophet tends to, or was used, is when Claire is talking about close to the ends uh, around Blackjack Randall. And she, she and Jamie have had that row, um, for lack of a better term, argument, disagreement about, related to Frank. She knows that if Blackjack gets killed, then Frank won't exist. Right. She was thinking about killing Blackjack. And then she says, but the doom of prophecy lay on me and the weight of a thousand Scottish lives. So he was safe, basically. The prophecy in Claire's understanding in this particular context is... I know what the future holds. I know what I am responsible for and what will happen. So there is this kind of graying, I think, of how the language is used. Yeah. Yeah. But the big, the big prophecy that's confusing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not our favorite part of the story. (laughs) Is the whole bronze seer prophecy. Yeah. yeah. So the first time we encounter that prophecy or the phrase or prophecy is in Voyager. So, Terry, you want to talk about that a little bit? It's a little it's a little fantastic is the issue. And I, yeah. I think that's to me, it kind of smacked of the fantastic. And I don't um, I everything else has been so grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Even the time travel has been. This was kind of magical. And I, it wasn't really something that I wanted to it to be but I understand that a lot of the plot actually relies on this one linchpin yeah I think that's the thing like I'm okay with the magical in the sense of Maisry being able to see things those kind of foretellings but so much of the plot in in Voyager but then also later in in Moby and and Echo in the Bone hinges so much on this seemingly one little thing that just seemed to come out of nowhere right Um, and it did come out of nowhere and i think that's to me it's almost revisionist history that she's created revisionist revisionist fiction (laughs) that she's created here um is that hey i got to book three i'm gonna have to continue this so we need to have something to move forward things going right oh somebody has a prophecy yes and there's a a prophecy and it's about brianna and and a 200 year old baby and blah 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 so anyway um (laughs) so the first time we encountered this is in voyager and here's Mm -hmm. what it says the Frasers mm-hmm. of love it I the language mm-hmm. is poetic as I pointed out to mistress Abernathy but the meaning is clear enough he was gathering enthusiasm as he went along the prophecy states that a new ruler of Scotland will spring from Lovett's lineage and that's Simon Lovett who is Jamie's grandfather grandsire not his grandfather his grandsire he never calls him grandfather his father was illegitimate and he was his bastard son um, was simon's bastard son Mm -hmm. this is to come to the prophecy states that a new ruler of scotland will spring from lovett's lineage this is to come to pass following the eclipse of the kings of the white rose a clear Mm -hmm. reference to the papist stuarts of course They are somewhat more cryptic references, including the prophecy, of course, the time in which the ruler will appear, and whether it is to be a king or a queen, there's some difficulty in interpretation, owing to the mishandling of the original language. So Hmm. you've got this prophecy of, and I think that they added this in the television show about the 200-year-old baby. Yeah, yeah, the the TV show added that. That's not in the book. That's not actually in the book. But the idea Hmm. was that 
Lovett's lineage really and truly does end sometime in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. with him and then the others in his in his end, Jamie was the line that they didn't really look for. And of course, Jamie's lineage ends as far as they can tell because his bastard child it belongs mm-hmm. in another line because nobody knows that he's the father. But he mm-hmm. also has this one child that gets transported 200 years in the future. Yeah. And then comes back. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the, the hook for the story to actually work is that the, the two children that might be out there, and this, this screams very much of Harry Potter. There are two yep. people out there that, that this could, <laughs> that this could you know, <laughs> this prophecy could, could work with. The chosen and ones. The chosen yeah. ones. Um, so yeah. if William is one and then maybe Brie is the other, they're the ones mm-hmm. who are going to save Scotland. Yeah. But, okay, so I think the reason why I find, I'm just thinking about this now, the reason why I find this so mm, fantastical, yeah, so unbelievable, when I, when Maisry's fine, Maisry doesn't bother me one bit, but this is kind of the new ruler of Scotland will spring from Lovett's lineage. So new ruler of Scotland, if it's Brie, and everybody is acting as if it is Brie and beyond Brie, perhaps. But new ruler of Scotland, we, well, it's either going to have to be beyond our time or it's not true. Well, and it can't be beyond our time because they're still in the 1980s in the book. That's the latest. Well, I know exactly. Meaning like it's it's the new ruler of Scotland when the new referendum comes through and da 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 You know, because she's talking, you know, like she's talking... She's operating in real history. Yeah. And so this, like, I can't buy into it because there is no new ruler of Scotland. And, you know, in in the context of these characters, like, so, you know, Brie, Queen Elizabeth is born before, um, yeah, (laughs) before Brie is. And she's still the ruler of Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, what's going to happen? You know, Scotland gets independence eventually because all this Brexit bullshit and then something, some fictitious (laughs) Brie character, you know, lineage (laughs) comes along. Like, so I think that's why I'm having a difficult time with this prophecy is because I can't buy into it. I don't know how she's going to wrap this up. I really don't. I mean, somebody's going to obviously have to die in the last book, but I don't know how she's (laughs) going to wrap up this whole prophecy thing. It's like, why would you put this in there if you didn't have an end game? Yeah, 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 exactly. She's she's going to have an end game here. I just hope that I can buy into the end game. She has to. I just hope she hasn't like, yeah, painted herself into a corner. But then it's, you know, maybe it's this whole new ruler. Ooh, I didn't know that that's what that, you know, like the ruler in a different way, almost in a kind of the series lost and it was all a dream, you know, like it's just, don't don't just kind (laughs) of... just kind of shift and go like oh we just weren't thinking about it in that way anyway this is the end of the narnia chronicles where they all find out they're dead no (laughs) oh thanks for that spoiler oh no (laughs) anyway so moving on in voyager we also have another emphasis on prophecy and it's yin ten cho who's talking about in china he says that there are stories and prophecies that one day ghosts will come and that everyone fears ghosts and he talks about he left china to save his life and he keeps seeing ghosts all around him and that this big ghost horrible white face hair on fire is going to eat his soul so he has this 
prophecy, this vision, this and and from his context, that's what he's what he's operating under of Jamie being yeah. this big ghost who's going yeah. to eat his soul and he has he has to get away from him. And his last um, words are something like, I am the ghost. Yeah. I am the yeah. ghost. Oh. Yeah. yeah. His story is so sad. Yeah, it is. And so I th- I think it's interesting in the way in which both of those things are happening in Voyager and talking about prophecy. So we talked about chapter titles a little bit earlier in in dry, uh, no drums drums of autumn a chapter title calling you, know, you can't go home again. So it's a play obviously on Tom Wolfe, but it's also uh, and this is in Voyager and in Drums of Autumn, but also this idea again that we've already mentioned that the prophet is never accepted in their hometown that they can never go home again right. you're perpetually an outsider you're perpetually someone who's going to be excluded because of what you know um because of what you talk about what and, and the other thing i think that's important to talk about here for the biblical prophet that we see in this series too is they cannot help but say they have no other choice they have they have been called by god but th- what they have been told to say and what they have been able to see is so overwhelming that they don't have any other choice but to talk about it. And so people aren't going to listen, but they still have to talk anyway. And it's the same thing with Claire. She cannot, she cannot know what she knows and and not not tell people and not act on it and not say anything and just pretend as if everything is fine. That she, she has to activate herself and the people around her in order to respond to what she knows is going to happen. And I think they depict that really well in season mm. five of the show. Yeah. Uh, particularly so in the creation of the penicillin. She knows that there's no penicillin back yeah. in the 18th century, but she does it anyway yeah. because she, she has this knowledge. She has to do something. She has a choice. She could pretend not to, but life would be so miserable for her if yeah. she didn't. And miserable um, and for it's... everybody else around her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that also is a characteristic of the biblical prophetic tradition that's also being embodied in this story. The way in which Ottertooth is talked about is used as prophecy. So his knowledge from the future is described as prophecy. So he lives amongst amongst that tribe in the area and, and tells them what's going to happen. And he talks about it, like we said in the last episode, he talks about it in the context of dreams, that he's had visions that he sees, but he's obviously come from the future and has told them kind of this is what's going to happen. And they talk about it as these prophecies that, that Ottertooth had. But then yeah. Claire has these dreams, slight, you know, prophecies in relation to Ottertooth too. Um, maybe in the context of dreams, is there anything anything you wanted to say, Terry, about that? Um, well, that real- dream and reality sort of thing, I guess. We could yeah, talk so about I think it's Echo to. in the Bone, where there's... No, 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 it's not Echo in the Bone. It's A Breath of Snow and Ashes. There seems mm-hmm. to be a constant struggle in that particular one. Dreams are, are really mentioned quite a bit in that mm-hmm. in that particular book, uh, more so than even in uh, Moby, which was kind of mm-hmm. surprising since Moby's prologue begins yep. with prophecy and with dreaming dreams and that, that quote from the book of Joel. But yep. th- there seems to be a struggle between what is real and what isn't. Am I here? Am I dreaming about my life in the 20th century or am I in the 20th century dreaming about my life in the 18th yeah. and, and waking yeah. up and not quite knowing 
where you are, what you're doing, and all you can do is the thing that's in front of you. In Drums of Autumn, it's not really necessarily a dream that she has with Ottertooth. She tries to explain it that way. It's more mm. of a it's more of a vision that she wakes yeah. up and she sees this thing coming towards her. She finds mm-hmm. the skull. Mm-hmm. And it's and it is horrifying. Yeah. Well, she has it, she has a premonition like she does when she holds Galus's skull. Yes. This is how does. this person died, right? Yeah. So well, and it, so it, she does have dreams in the other book. Yeah. So in Voyager, yeah. she has dreams, a prescient dream about mm-hmm tunnels and burnt bones Mm -hmm. in those tunnels before they even go and see Galus. Yeah. Before she even goes into, is it the Bondaway cave? Yeah. Before she goes Um, into the, before she goes mm -hmm. into the cave, she dreams of this. And so there is that sense of she can pick up something and feel the energy from it. She did this with Master Raymond when she went in and felt the bones in there too. It's the healing power that she has. She's able yeah. to place her hands on the body and know know what needs to be healed. So there is something kind of supernatural that's happening with Claire. But it's not, yeah, it's not a prophecy so much as a discernment, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, um, I think there's being something able to, to that. Tell. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I, I think that, you know, when we're talking about prophecy, being able to see all yeah. the things and being able yeah. to see what the end game is going to be. Yeah, that's a that's a discernment capacity. It is. You're right. I I think her capacity to see the see the struggle that's going on inside of our bodies or Mm -hmm. inside of the bodies that she's trying to heal and then find Mm -hmm. where the end game is going and then stopping Mm -hmm. it is also its own set of of profit. Or maybe that's a healer. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think when we start talking about this, the lines between these really kind of start to blur after a while. Um, You have dreams that could become prophecies. You heal in a seemingly prophetic way. Um, and, And so it's understandable, you know, in talking about you know, she's a witch or, you know, whatever the case may be, that there's there's all these things that are just kind of lumped together in this world. A slight funny uh, reference um, that I thought um, Brie in uh, Drums of Autumn sees the white sow's piglets and the quote is prophetically sausage shaped. (laughs) 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 This is an inevitability question, right? Or vision of prophets. She knows... The inevitable consequence of having these piglets <laughs> is going to be they are going to be sausages. You will be which, sausage. Uh, which reminds me, when I was growing up, I was in 4-H, which if you're in the States, you know what that is. But yeah. um, a uh, like you know, future farmers, agricultural kind of thing. When I was living in Texas and I had, I was about 10, and I had a pig that I raised for 4-H and his name was Sausage because I knew that's what he was going to be. Yeah. So prophetically named my pig Sausage. Um <laughs> Even at that early age, yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> no. Poor piggy. Sorry to all the vegetarians out there. Um, so, Fire Cross, interestingly, has no references at all to prophets or prophecy. Huh. But there is something that's really interesting, I thought, in talking about the use of war. Um, so, the in the biblical tradition, war is, is constantly sort of referenced within the prophets. So, Amos... For example, 
gives, it's called the oracles against the nations and it's chapter five. And each of the nations, God brings them to account because of how they fight their wars. And basically Mm -hmm. they go above and beyond what's required. So they are not fighting fairly. So they've gone after pregnant women or they've eradicated entire tribes or they, you know, whatever, um, fought with weapons that were much more than needed. So weapons of mass destruction, for lack of a better term. So those kinds of things. And it's the same, there's that same sort of tone that's happening, I think, in Fiery Cross in relation to that. But then there's also this idea of Jamie and being being the, the fiery one who is leading them to live as justly as possible in that particular context, right? Right. So even though there's not official sort of reference or literal reference to to prophets and prophecy, you still have this calling to people to to live justly and to do as as well as they can in that particular context. Right. Right. Yeah. For Breath and Snow and Ashes, another little reference to Jeremiah. Mm. With the the naming of the child, Jemmy, <laughs> but also realizing, uh, so Bree realizes that Roger's dad is named Jeremiah. And that, so she's just making a little reference to the Old Testament prophet. But then Jamie quotes Proverbs 30 saying, three things astonish me, nay, nay say for, or nay for, saith the prophet. And this is when I think there's a really interesting then move between the prophets and the wisdom literature within the biblical Mm -hmm. tradition. And we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But so he's talking about the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent on the rock, the way of the ship in the midst of the sea and the way of a man with a maid. But that's a he's quoting he's quoting Proverbs 30 there as the prophet, the, the person with wisdom who is speaking. And then uh, there's also so a chapter title, the To Ransom a Man's Soul, is coming from Psalm 49, which is also technically considered wisdom literature uh, within right. the Hebrew Bible. But Psalm 49 is very prophetic in its language, talking about the folly of trust and riches and saying that the, the poor as well as the rich will die, that inevitable, the inevitable consequences of certain actions will lead to in the same sort of way that the prophets prophets do. So I think there's a really kind of interesting mix that's happening in Psalms and in Proverbs it, between sort of the wisdom tradition and the prophetic traditions and this yeah. call to all people and a call to equality as well that, you know, you're no one's going to get off scot-free. We are all going to die. And that's just part of the way things go and that death is coming for us all. And, and there's a seeing and a truth there that's quite prophetic. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to be reminded of that. And these days, specifically, as we record this in the midst of the coronavirus stuff that's going on, folks don't want to mm. recognize their own mortality. They are hoarding and stockpiling and proceeding as normal when it's not normal. This is not, this is not a the appropriate time for those well, things. So yeah? I, I, I see this almost as, you know, in in context of COVID-19 and the virus mm-hmm. and the pandemic that we're in right now, mm-hmm. I, I see this more as, wait, it's not going to affect me. Yeah. So I can yeah. go out and do whatever I want to do yeah. as long as it doesn't affect me. 
Yeah. And I, I um, see this in context yeah. of a lot of what's going on in like the book of Isaiah. I can go out and do yeah. whatever I want to as long yeah. as it doesn't affect me. Yeah. And the prophets are saying, no, wait a minute. It's not all yeah. about you. Yeah. It's we are a- all in this together. Yeah. Yeah. This is not about how it affects you. You mm-hmm. might be 25 years old and healthy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the person that you work with might have a really bad issues with lung disease, or mm-hmm. they might be 65 years old, or they might mm-hmm. be. And what you're doing, inevitably, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. going to see this happen down the road like it happened in unfortunately in Italy Mm -hmm. is that there are going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who die because they were not able to go out and because you did it spread yeah so your actions are inevitably important to the Mm -hmm. community it's not just about you And the prophets are constantly reminding us as well that the how you treat the most vulnerable in your society are the indicates who we are as people. And 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 within the biblical traditions, who we are as people of God. If God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, if God has called us to look out for the needy and the vulnerable and the poor and the orphan and the widow and the stranger in our land, then here's the things that would be expected of us as people of God to do those things. And the prophets are saying, You're not doing those things. Right. So here's what's gonna happen. Pestilence is gonna come, plague's gonna come, you're gonna be conquered, you're gonna you know, like all all of all of the inevitable things right exactly Um, it's not like there's a magic formula out there if you do these things plus this thing then god will Mm -hmm. be angry at you and go and you know and and lightning bolts and 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 hail and brimstone that's not the that's not the equation the equation is if you don't take care of others Mm -hmm. and yourself if you don't care for your community if you don't love Mm -hmm. another and try to live Mm -hmm. as justly as possible then mm-hmm. that stuff comes back on you. Yeah. You've done it to yeah. yourself. Yeah. So in Eastern traditions would understand that as karma. Yes. That it, it, so prophets, you know, the prophets are basically saying you are exercising bad karma. Yes. <laughs> it is going to come back to you. The shit you bounce, threw the, fl- the fan flies back in your face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The ricochet effect, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, it, it is the prophets are definitely saying that but it also yeah. but it hurts the people who are the most vulnerable first yeah and that's yeah. that's the thing is the, the folks who are living in the margins the folks who didn't have a month's uh, or three mm-hmm. months rent saved up mm-hmm. are the mm-hmm. ones who are going to be hurting right now because everything is shut down here everything mm-hmm. yeah oh interesting we're talking about prophecy during uh, a weather. <laughs> during a rather apocalyptic time oh lord have mercy yeah 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 Uh, uh, it's back to outlander okay sorry so sorry i'm doing the same thing we digress so the other interesting thing i think in the so we you know kind of doing this survey right so this is also in a breath of snow and ashes so roger is talking to jamie and roger says do you or ask jamie do you believe us about the war that's coming and 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 this is i think relevant to what we've just said right so jamie is the quote is jamie laughed shortly his gaze fixed on the water eyes man he says i it doesn't take either a prophet or a witch to see what's standing in the road 
And so that, said Roger, giving him a curious look, is a really odd way of putting it. And so Jamie says, is that so? Is it not also what the Bible says? When ye shall see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not, then let them in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who readeth understand. Memory supplied the missing part of the verse, and Roger became aware with a small sense of cold in the bone that Jamie did indeed see it standing on the road and recognized it. Nor was he using figures of speech. He was describing precisely what he saw because he'd seen it before. Yeah. So back to kind of my con- my comment about historians being prophets, that, that Jamie would have seen this coming even if he didn't have family members in the future telling him it was coming. Right. He he has been there. Right. He knows what that looks like. He he understands the the sense in the wind that this is this is where things are headed. But he doesn't know that they're going to win. No, That's- but he doesn't know they're going to win. Right. Yes, absolutely. So he would have been making a much bigger gamble because he didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Which is an interesting question I guess I've never really thought about. So would Jamie if you know, speaking hypothetically about a fictitious character, would he have joined the regulators? Would he have been on the side of the revolutionaries or would he have been mountain man and decided not to be involved at all? Well, yeah. so he, he, he pretty much has made, so he's, he's given his oath in prison when he went to Wentworth. Yeah. He yeah. gave an oath that he yeah. would defend the crown. Yeah, that's um, true. And yeah. he d- does give an oath to Triumph. Arts Mirror, when they're released, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so he does have to give, he's given his oath mm-hmm. twice here, right? Mm-hmm. And So would he have joined the Loyalists then? That's the thing. I'm thinking without Claire there, and, and his experience at Culloden, fighting mm-hmm. the most powerful army on earth at this moment mm-hmm. in time, he, if it were me, I certainly would probably have, you know, sided with the Loyalists. In fact, Mm -hmm. my family back in the day did side with the Mm -hmm. Loyalist. Mm -hmm. Those up in Boston um, ended up right afterwards moving to Ontario. So so we're pretty sure we know why they did that. Um, But Mm. but truthfully, that's that's a huge question is whether or not he would have if Claire wasn't there to say, no, 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 this time, this time the revolution actually works. You don't want to be on that side. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. In the Breath and Snow and Ashes, the other the other prophecy that's talked about is the the prophecy quotes prophecy that Bree brings back from the newspaper, saying that the house is going to burn. Right. And so the only way she knows to talk about it is to talk about it, couch it in terms of prophecy. So something has has you know been indicated that's going to happen, and she can only only refer to it really in that way. It's not like their prophecies are always accurate, right? She says they might have gotten the details wrong. So some she's talked about it openly with others, so they know, you know, that she knows this, but they don't know how she knows this. Right. Which I think is again goes back to that kind of foreknowledge versus foreknowledge and fact, I guess, versus kind of yeah, like personal foreknowledge almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. versus yeah. versus, you know, years down the road what's going to happen to my community yeah yeah so echo in the bone uh is when they go back to lollybrock and they're having a conversation with the folks at lollybrock and telling them who she who claire is jamie and claire have gone back 
And Jamie says there's no real word for what he is, what she is. She has a knowledge of things that will come to pass. And so listen to her. And so that sets them all into attention, it says. So Claire says she clears her throat, deeply embarrassed by her role as a prophet, but obliged to speak nonetheless. And here again, she says, for the first time, had a sudden sense of kinship with some of the more reluctant Old Testament prophets. I thought <laughs> I knew just what Jeremiah felt when, when it was to go back to and prophesy the destruction of Nineveh. It wasn't um, Jeremiah. <laughs> I know. I was like, when I read that, I was like, Diana, come ah. on. Nineveh was Jonah, not Jeremiah. <laughs> One of those J prophets. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be a pedant and like send it to her and say, hey, you got that wrong. <laughs> oh, I'm sure people but have already. <laughs> I'm sure other people have. <laughs> but second reference to Claire self-identifying with Jeremiah, yeah, um, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Um, but then she also, Claire, when she and um, Lord John Gray are hanging out together, married this sort of prophecy i possessed was seldom a welcome gift in these circumstances though i'd rather taken a grim pleasure in telling him so she's <laughs> telling him basically he's gonna lose that yeah. the british are are, are going to be destroyed basically right. and and she's referring to what she's telling him as a prophecy and it's a seldom welcome gift and grim statement again kind of that well, I love that she cares about him. I mean, obviously yeah. they're married at this point, but mm-hmm. I love that she cares about him enough to want mm-hmm. to see that he is is somehow saved. Gets out if yeah. he can. Yeah. That yeah. the larger things she can't control, but this one person she can. Yeah. And then lastly is Moby, um, or written in my own heart's blood. And basically the, the language around prophecy is, is primarily from Frank's letter to Bree in relation to the the bronze seer prophecy again but frank makes some really interesting observations about prophets so he says the seer came to a sticky end as prophets often do please do remember that darling won't you so he's connecting (laughs) who brie might be if she does go back and so the seer was burned to death in a spiked barrel of tar at the instigation of Lady Seaforth, to whom he had unwisely prophesied that her husband was having affairs with various ladies while away in Paris. That one was likely true, in my opinion, Frank says. But amongst his lesser-known prophecies, he's talking then about the Fraser prophecy. And he says it's rambling and vague, as prophecies usually are, the Old Testament prophets notwithstanding. And then he talks about the relevant bit about the last of Lovett's line will rule Scotland. So Frank found out about the Fraser prophecy and saw that it could endanger Bree. And so he knows she's safe for going back in the past and has, you know, kind of prepared her accordingly. But again, it goes back to those, it goes back to the idea that this prophecy is immediate and it's not working yep. for me. So the prophet must yep. be wrong. And yep. so I'm going yep. to kill the prophet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, burned to death in a spiked barrel of tar. (laughs) God. Awful. Yeah, because the prophet said something that somebody didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, Joel Osteen. Would I want him? No. No, No, we would not want anybody burned to death in a spiked barrel of tar. No, no. 
But. But. <laughs> if we were to have the option. <laughs> who would it be? Yeah. False no. prophets. Yeah. No. But, I, um, I, I, yeah. It's, so it's so tempting just to, to say the thing that everybody mm-hmm. wants to hear, right? Yeah. If we just, if you just keep being yourself in your own, in this way, if you keep just keep yeah. doing these things in this way, just look out for yourself and yeah. look out for your family things are going to be mm-hmm. all right and it, it mm-hmm. isn't always that way and I, I find that that's that's actually what sets people like in at least in our stories from our scriptural stories that's what sets people mm-hmm. like Joseph and mm-hmm. Daniel apart is mm-hmm. that they don't tickle the ears of the rulers they don't tickle the ears of the Pharaoh or of Nebuchadnezzar or mm-hmm. of the others they say this is really what's going to happen can't you see it can't you yeah. see what's going on yeah, so they're not syncophants. They're not telling right. people what they want to hear. They're not blowing sunshine up anybody's arse. It's it is more. Yeah, when, when their dreams mm-hmm. are told, they said, "No, this is what the dream means. There's famine and it's coming, mm-hmm. and you've mm-hmm. been given a great gift to be able to see that. So mm-hmm. let's get prepared. Let's get ready." Cool. Well, yeah. that thus concludes our survey. Um, is <laughs> Anything else we want to include? Or? No, no. I mean, if, if if there are folks out there who have got, mm. if we've missed something, obviously, or if you've got I, any I'm takes sure on, on either the, the stuff on the prophecy, which was what this uh, particular podcast was about, or mm-hmm. or any information on um, or thoughts, uh, conclusions, things we haven't thought of mm-hmm. that we want to talk to you about, about dreams or prophecy, we'd love to hear mm-hmm. from you. So please remember that you can always go hop on any anything on social media or send us emails or voicemails um you can do those mm-hmm. things and we will we will be checking those yeah yeah and i also was just uh just conscious like we haven't even i'm sh- i am sure i remember instances of references to prophets and dreams in the john gray novels and in oh, yeah. um, scottish prisoner as well which we haven't even talked about those no um, no scottish prisoner yeah, i know they, does have them because yeah. jamie does yeah. dream of claire in scottish prisoner he does i'm pretty sure yeah. i remember that yeah. yeah i didn't even think about checking that Doggone. I know. I know. <gasps> we should do an entire series just on Lord Grand Grey novels and the extra extra bits. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even or some of the like um, a leaf on the wind of all hollows. I oh, mm. I love that book. Mm, me yeah. too. Cool. Okay. Well, we will wrap this up for now, and we'll see you next time for the next episode. Bye, so, everybody. See you later. Bye. That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. If you love what we do, give us a review, especially on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, because it helps people find us. If you listen and you like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click on the support us button at our website, www.outlandersoul.com. There's lots of ways to donate and every little bit helps. Also, we love hearing your comments, questions, and ideas for the show. So we'd like for you to join in the conversation. You can reach us through our website, email, voice memos, or social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. By email, you can email us at Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com or via our website at www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. Bye.